Hello, everybody, and welcome to my podcast on project management. Today, I will be talking with Kathy Killen. And Kathy is a professor of project management here at UTS, the University of Technology, Sydney. We're sitting in my office here at UTS in Sydney, as I'm currently visiting UTS. And uh, Kathy has agreed to share some of her insights from her project management research on the visualization of project data. Thank you very much for listening in. Well, today we are at UTS, University of Technology, Sydney, and in front of me is uh, Kathy Killen. Hi, Kathy. Welcome. Welcome, Soren. Welcome to Sydney. Well, thanks a lot. Yes, it's a pleasant city. I really enjoy being here. And I'm so happy that uh, you're willing to contribute to this podcast on project management. Um, as I understand, uh, you are in particular interested in visualization in the context of project management, right? That's certainly one of the areas that I'm quite passionate about. And it's probably what drew me to this area of project and portfolio management in the first place. So, so what do we understand by when we talk about visualization? What, what does that mean in the context of projects or project management? No, it can mean a lot of things, but primarily we're talking about looking at data through something that's like as simple as a pie chart or a graph to very complicated dashboards full of visual ways of interpreting the data. So when I'm talking about data visualization or just visualizations, I'm, I'm talking about those pictures or graphs or ways of looking at data. So yes, so you could say in the project, you generate a lot of different data. You'd, as a project manager or as a portfolio manager, you'd be really interested in understanding that data. And then, so your underlying hypothesis is somehow that when you visualize that data, it's much easier to understand than putting it in an Excel sheet, for example, or what? Is, well, that's, that's, the what, idea? that's what a lot of previous research has shown. Um, it's certainly not a given that by sticking data into a picture format that it's better, but there's a lot of interest in how we can best use visuals. When do they enhance and when do they detract? But the idea is that you know, managers need to make decisions. And to make a good decision, you need to be informed and understand the data. Often those decisions are made in groups. So a group of people needs to actually collectively look at data, which is pretty difficult to do with a spreadsheet. You know, imagine pointing to the lines on a spreadsheet and trying to say, see how this number goes up and down and how this affects that. Visuals can often show that much better and communicate it among groups to, to support better decision making. In the end, that's what we want. Okay, so... Maybe you could reiterate again. So you, you use these visuals in, let's say, group decisions about what? About resource allocation and projects, for example. Would that be... In, in the portfolio management perspective and in the, decision, in the research that I do, that's the type of decision-making scenario. So in, in a portfolio management decision environment, the decisions to, res to allocate funding or to change resourcing is usually done in a team, a portfolio review board type of team of people, and that's the sort of environment I look at visuals. But they are looked at by other researchers and used in other environments. So in, in project environments, you often see visuals as um, part of the reporting, part of the tracking, even stoplight charts, you know, the, um, the red, green, yellow sort of feedback. That's a visual way of communicating project status. 
Okay, yeah, I, I can get that. If you have like a stoplight, it's pretty easy to understand which projects you should focus on. When there's a red line, there's obviously somehow a problem, I guess. Uh, so so that's, uh, that's where I see visuals can contribute with value. But you also initially said some interesting that visuals sometimes may also be overdoing it. Is that, so it's not just uh, the golden path to success. No, and, and um, we've probably all seen that. Have you ever looked at an infographic that's a confusographic, just way too much information in one space? Um, what, we, what the theory says is with, by looking at something visually, you're using a different pathway in your brain. Um, so when you look at something visually and it's displaying the connections between the data or giving you a, an understanding of the relationship directly, you may need to you may be able to interpret that much more um, quickly than if you have to look at numbers and then have to translate those numbers into some idea of direction and interconnection or relationship and then make the, the decision or analysis. So we call this cognitive fit. There's quite a lot of research about cognitive fit, that the visualization should be aligned with the type of task at hand. So I can talk about a particular research project we did, which tried to really look at cognitive fit. Um, but if the cognitive fit is good, then the visualization will probably enhance. But if you have a, a very um, unaligned cognitive fit, you might have a visualization that highlights one area where the data is really trying to do something else. I'd be really interested to hear about your research just in a second. Just so the cognitive fit, just for me to understand, would that be like like a shortcut from the data to how I would think about data? Is is that the yeah. that, is that's that way? A, that's a good way of thinking of it. It's a it's a it's a cognitive aid to analyzing the data, um, and that most you know the research I'll talk about is talking about interconnections between elements. And if you can show that interconnection directly with a line or some arrows or something that directly connects elements, that has a strong cognitive fit with the problem if the problem is about understanding connections. Okay, so that's interesting. Now let's go to your research project. So you're interested in connections between specific aspects of a project or in a portfolio. In a portfolio. So one particular thing that we decided to look at is um, – how can people make better portfolio level decisions? So making decisions about multiple projects. Most of the tools that we use look at each project fairly as an independent entity, even though we're looking at them as a portfolio and trying to balance the overall portfolio results. We still aren't very, we don't have very many tools to help us look at how a decision about one project may affect another project. So the interdependence between projects is something that organizations really acknowledge they're at a bit of a loss of how to do that well. Um, the research that we did said, well, what about using that cognitive fit concept? We represent projects, in this case, as little bubbles, as, as circles, and identify the relationships between them with arrows. And the arrows could carry a lot of information. A weight, a stronger weight arrow would be a stronger relationship. Different types or colors of arrows could be different types of relationships. So the dependencies may be a resource dependency, maybe some sort of outcome that's needed from one project to another. Um, we looked at learning dependencies. And so this is a quite involved way to, or relatively simple way, to display quite involved information. So we've done this research in two different ways. One was with organizations using their data and getting their feedback on how the different view helped or didn't help. 
And that was an interactive situation where we could turn on and off different layers of data and play around with the, the, the view. Okay, so just if you take that first, so you work with concrete organizations, they have a portfolio of projects, you have information about these projects and their interrelationship, their dependence on each other. Yes. And you visualize that in kind of a network graph way. That's right. That, and, and then what, what did you do then? You, well, what we did was we, we had to simplify the situation a bit, but we still wanted to show some data such as the size of the project, um, the level of strategic alignment or risk of the project, so that you get some idea of each project, but the relationships between them. Um, so we could, you could imagine a graph with a lot of circles, and they're connected in different ways. And we could show highly connected clusters or outliers or things that weren't connected. Then we know, if by looking at that, is that if we affect a project or say we delete a project, anywhere in that graph, how will that affect other projects? Um, so in the organizations, what we did was take these some snapshot pictures as well as the interactive system to the decision makers with a situation they're familiar with, a situation that they know the portfolio, they work with that portfolio, and say, how does this view help or does it help? How can you work with this? Does it help to look at it interactively? So that was a very in-depth way of working with the organizations. And, and what did you learn? What, well, what did the organizations tell you? They told us um, it was really useful to hear from them how they appreciated the insights that they got. Um, they found they were particularly useful for communicating, and they were still not sure about exactly using them for making decisions, but they felt it really helped to explain decisions. Um, so we wanted to work more with the making decision side, and the other thing we had a lot of good discussions about is how often you might do this. How would you keep the data up to date? Um, so really thinking about implementing something like that in the day-to-day -day workings of an organization is another step beyond playing around with it with a portfolio here and there. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so but that was the company side or the corporate side where you interacted with industry around these different examples of visualization. You also did another study or, or yes. connected study. What was that? So the connected study, first I, I did forget to say one thing about that last study because I said it wasn't the decision-making aspect, although it wasn't focused on as being as clearly evident how that would work, we actually had some amazing decisions made during these situations. So we had one senior decision-maker finally realizing the importance of a decision he'd been delaying. And this wasn't meant to be part of our research, but that was just quite an interesting anecdote to have this person saying, now I see it. I know what you've been talking about. We definitely have to do something about this situation. So that's And, that's and you can say that was somehow driven by the way to visualize the that's data, so showing the, the portfolio in a distinct because way. Because the portfolio showed it in a way that his the people hadn't been able to communicate and had been trying. Um, and in this situation, it was a highly clustered group of projects some of the projects were highly strategically important. And even though the one that was having trouble was not highly strategically important, it was quite clear how closely it was going to affect really important projects. So that was an example that I thought was really interesting. Yeah. So then moving on to another study, we did an experiment-based study. We said, well, let's see if we take the same data, the same portfolio, and we present the data to decision makers. In this case, it was postgraduate students who'd been studying project and portfolio management. We presented them with data either as a network map showing the interdependencies and other data, 
or as a, um, a dependency matrix, which is a tool that's used in industry. So it's a matrix-based tool where the relationships are shown on a grid. Um, and the other data was there as well, so size, strategic alignment. So they're exactly the same amount of data. We tried to make them similar, so we used colors in both to highlight different levels of strategic importance. Um, and we gave them the same amount of time, and we compared what types of decisions they made. And we've done that over 480 different samples oh, of that's people. a lot, yeah. A lot of different samples. We've done three different scenarios within there, so we have done different sets of data to see if the data itself might cause some influence or bias. Um, and that research has very um, strongly supported the fact that the dependency map or the, the interconnected map, which we call the visual project map, um, supported better decision making across all of those, those samples. Um, so, so again, just to reiterate, so you, so you run this experiment where you expose distinct student groups to the same decision problem, but you change the visualization of it. Or That's sometimes right. it's visualized and sometimes it's more represented as numbers in a yes. grid. Yes. yes. And so when, the, when it's visualized, then what, what happens? The students take well, better decisions or, or do better integrate? Well, what we, what we find is that we, before we ran the formal test, we did a lot of piloting. And if we gave students unlimited time, they would pretty much come to a, a fairly standard decision. Um, but by limiting the time, we could see what sort of decision they could make in a limited time and found that the, that it was quicker to make a better decision if they had the network view. Yeah. And that was repeated multiple times. And that, you could say that certainly confirmed like your... Uh, Our cognitive fit. Th hypothesis. Yeah, your shortcut to the brain hypothesis, right? That, That's right. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, it was, it's also been, it's been quite a fun study because the students really benefit from it. The students find it um, inspiring to learn about potential new ways to evaluate data, to grapple with a decision-making problem in a simulated portfolio space. So this was part of a, an hour and a half long session where they learn about the decision-making. They learned about how all the different tools might work. Um, experimented with tools in a little pilot way. So we got them through that kind of learning curve, at least part way of the learning curve. Um, and then this this was only, I think we had 12 minutes to make the actual decision. Um, yeah, so, but that probably is not unrealistic, right? I mean, also in practice, you'd be under time under pressure. Under time pressure, and that's a good point because the, the cognitive load type of theories look at the fact um, and the, and the ability to make decisions that we're usually time constrained. Um, we usually don't um, have necessarily all the data that we need, or we can't access it all, or we have you know we have limits, and we certainly have limits to our cognitive capability. People can only hold a certain amount of information in their head. So by putting it into a visual, we believe that helped um, overcome some of these limits and make better decisions. It it um, it supports the, the theories. So, and the main audience for this podcast is students. Now, I have one question because if I look at the student population I typically teach, we have some who are really math-heavy, mm -hmm. uh, come from science fields, for example, and others who are more what we could call management-oriented, also interested in math, but are much more interested in social dynamics mm -hmm. and, and issues here. Uh, did you, did you change? I'm just wondering, if, if could you see any distinction? Because I could imagine that, that the way you 
you approach your field of expertise will have an, impact, have an impact on 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 how valuable uh, visuals are or it, was it true across the board well you know that would be a really interesting thing to study to try to break that down um we don't have data on exactly that type of profile but there's actually um a further study that's yet to be analyzed looking at the group decision making so this was all und done individually but then they did go into a group setting to evaluate decision and we we're looking at how were people influenced to change their decision were the visuals part of the changing of the decision so if you get a group together and they've all pre-made a decision based on the data but then now they're seeing say perhaps all the different types of visual displays and they're talking to other people and they're asked to make a collective decision, what might change their decision? Mm -hmm. And some of that could be by looking at the other visualizations, it could be just having more time, and it could be influence of other people. And so I haven't fully analyzed that data, but powerful people, people that are confident in their decision, whether it's right or wrong, make a difference, I believe. Um, so I think it'd be interesting yeah. to follow what you're that, thinking that, too. That's an interesting aspect. We, in, in that group situation, you could, but however, maybe also build a hypothesis that visualizing data, visualizing data, uh, it could be a counterbalance to you know like emergent leaders, yes. which kind of dominate any decision situation because you can easily pull people back to well, look at the data. Look at the, yeah. <laughs> in, in what you're saying maybe not true. Right? Well, I but, think that that there's space for. Um, another in-depth study where you could observe and watch the decision process. And I have a, a student who's doing a PhD at the moment who will be working in a much more in, embedded way with decisions, um, possibly not with this exact visual project mapping, possibly with, because we're still working out what's the need of the decision environment, um, because there's a lot of different factors that could play into it. Okay, yeah, that's good. So let's try to wrap up a little bit. Um, by what I, what I would, be, because you have, you're really experienced. And you work with a lot of industry. Uh, do you see like visualization? Is that that kind of a trend which continues in project management? Is that something which kind of is at the beginning, or are we just in the middle of it? Everything is visualized already. Well, I think we are at a stage of there's been rapid growth in the use of visualizations. But there's a lag in maturity of how to use visualizations. So I think we're at a really good point to be exploring this more deeply. Um, computers make it a bit too easy. It's nice that they make it easier to make visualizations of data, but we end up with, um, you know, complex and cool-looking visualizations just because you could make them, rather than because they actually highlight the elements of the decision problem. And so we're really. You know, there's research um, that colleagues have done, um, Joanna Giraldi and Mario Alt, where they looked at portfolio decision-making environment, and they really found the importance of simplicity and focus on the decision problem in making a better visual. Um, so I can give you that paper as well if you want some, some links. Yes, that, that would be good. But the, um, the growth in visuals needs to be caught up, I believe, with in how to use them, how to design them to be most effective. Um, and, and identify the decision situations where those are most valuable, I guess. Where they're, where they're valuable. Yeah. One thing that we've also found from our research and others is that familiarity with visuals is very important. Um, so that you can't just throw a new visual at everybody. Every time you encounter a new visual, you have to work out what is the system for this visual. So there's a sweet spot, I suppose, between 
more and new visuals as they maybe become apparently useful. And you may want to introduce new visuals, but you don't want to do that too often. So standardizing and helping people become familiar. And that's a, another recent study that I've done with, um, again, Joanne Giraldi, but Alexander Koch is looking at a large scale data on how people use visuals. And that's also underlined that importance of famil familiarity. Okay, Kathy, that, thank you very much. I really enjoyed talking to you about the visualization and project management. Uh, some very insight, interesting insights into your, your study and how that can be used in, uh, in practice in, in improving our management of projects or portfolios of projects. Well, thank you. Thank you, Soren. And I hope that the students benefit from thinking a bit more deeply about how and where they can best use visuals to improve their project and portfolio management practice. Thank you. Thank you.